0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bravo Zulu Podcast, episode number fifty-eight, a PCS nightmare. So I got a homie who's been a PCS, and you're about to hear all that story. So I'm not gonna give you any spoiler alerts right now. But um, you know, COVID has taken a toll on so many military members in so many different ways, and it sucks. And you're about to hear one way why it sucked for this uh individual and his family and you know things he had to do and things he's doing going forth in the future to try to get it solved for other service members so without any further ado you know we'll get you right into it enjoy don't forget like subscribe share if you're on itunes listening please leave a review five stars if you feel it in your heart um and go check out the youtube channel not much going on there yet but it's coming so don't forget to subscribe on there turn on notifications all that good stuff and if you're finding value and you're enjoying this and you think one of your shipmates or one of your buddies or one of your friends or homies you know day ones might enjoy this too go ahead and uh, you know copy the link and drop it in their inbox thanks man enjoy everybody <laughs> Yo, 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 welcome back everybody to another episode of the Bravo Zulu podcast. Um, You know, been knocking them out the recordings this week and lucky for you, I got another guest. So you ain't just got to listen to me in the studio with me tonight is a uh, career long friend of 17 years now uh well i'm not gonna say your whole name again you because you know how it goes you you're a regular listener uh their ti and uh you know so i, I like to keep y'all confidential as long, until you disclose who you are but um you know we'll just we'll, we'll you know we'll go with the old school name ti you know what's up bro
1: hey what's going on man thanks for having me I, yeah for sure say, uh uh you know long time listener first time caller right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah first time uh long time listener uh first time guest but um yeah man, so you know uh for the for those me and t i we go back to um to Sigonella, our first duty station uh o t i here has since left the enlisted side and became a commissioned naval officer. And so today, tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about his career, and then we're going to get into what he's been doing for the last uh, five, almost six months now, and um, which uh, you know is kind of a disturbing story to share, and and that's why I I really asked him to come on and to share this, because again, um, you know, so much of this podcast it's about different things, but uh, an important part that I want to keep uh, people aware of is the military life isn't what you see in movies; it's not what you see um you know former military becoming politicians and all the glory stories of war fighting and stuff you know especially in the navy that's such a such a small you know community that does that but there's a um, the large majority going through things uh like ETI did here um uh, with his family the last couple months so you know stay tuned for the whole thing because i think you're really going to want to hear it and um you know what, what it's really like sometimes so uh ti you know with, without further ado why don't you uh give us a little spill on um you know how long you've been in uh, and then just you know take us through your uh, career path for a little bit bro
1: yeah yeah uh again thanks for having me on the show um so obviously like you said right 17 70- years we're looking at uh just hit that 17 year mark it's been uh a lot of it's been fun and at the same time a lot of it hasn't right uh and hopefully i'll get to to talk about a little bit of both of those things so came in the navy back in uh in 2004 uh enlisted because i wanted to be a navy seal just like every young dumb (laughs) every young dumb male right motivated they're like i'm gonna do the thing right watching movies reading books uh not so much reading but more so watching movies and uh you know, that, that was it, right? You weren't going to stop me. I knew exactly what I was going to do, and everybody that was like, nah, man, it ain't going to happen for you, I was doing the damn thing, right? Did all my training and tied my hands together in the pool and stuff when I was back, at, you know, after my senior year in high school and doing all kinds of dumb stuff, trying to drown myself, long runs, whatever you want to call it, right? Of course, uh, you know, like every aspiring SEAL, um, you know, I ended up DOR and hell before I even got out to San Diego. <laughs> so, um, anyways, I ended up going needs of the Navy and striking, uh, the old storekeeper rate. Right. Dope. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, of course, there was some some introspection I had to do and, you know, cheer myself up, if you will. Right. Pull my britches up uh, and move on, because after I did that, I was like, man, I'm locked into a job that I don't want to do for the next four or five years. This is going to suck. And then a little bit of good news came to us. Right. In uh, in a school, and they found out, you know, towards the last couple of weeks there after we got done on the computers doing that self-paced stuff, uh, they said, hey, you know, Seaman Ivester, you're going to Sigonella, Sicily. How you feel about that? And I was like, oh man, paradise, huh? Okay, let's do it, right? Yeah. So I went home for Christmas or whatever. This is back in 2004. I went home for some Christmas break uh, and then ended up heading to... Um, Sicily, uh, got there in January or whatever, right, 2005. Uh, And then, of course, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about the experiences and stuff there. But uh, just real quick to kind of speed things up a little bit for you so we can get to talking. Um, Ended up uh, going on an individual augment while I was there. Did a little tour. uh, Did some detainee stuff or whatever in Iraq. Came back from that. um, Finished up my my Sigonella tour. Ended up going to Oklahoma City, working for Tacomo uh, pretty cool mission, really cool location. You know, not a lot of people know there's, there's Navy out in Oklahoma city. Uh, and it's a good, it's a good experience out there for sure. And so once I, when I was there, I was interested, looked into Seaman admiral stuff and, uh, you know, people are like, just put the application and just do it right. If it's what you want to do, do it. Um, and we can go into some details about the board process and that kind of stuff. If we want to, if that's the route this takes, uh, but ultimately put in my package, got picked up uh, in 2009 for a 2010 school selection so of course I went to Rhode Island did uh, <laughs> it's called uh, the Naval Science Institute and a lot of folks are like hey yeah you went up to OCS right not the same thing no we we uh, <laughs> They take for us, they take, um, you know, sailors and they turn them into college students. So you can imagine their whole idea up there is like a reverse boot camp, if you will. Right. So it's, hey, real, real tough. The first couple of first couple of days, maybe first week, week and a half. Uh, and then they start to ease up on you because they want you to. Um, You know, learn how to be independent and stuff. Again, think for yourself, manage your own schedule, that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, you're not actually a college student while you're up there. You're taking some courses and it is still fairly rigid, but relative to our OCS counterparts, uh, you know, we're, (laughs) we're little kindergartners running around doing whatever we want. Right. That's basically the way it feels. So. But anyways, got done with that, went to the University of Oklahoma for a couple of years, uh, commissioned out of there and left for flight school, did the flight school thing, uh, had a blast, man. That is that is some of the best time uh, of my naval career is just learning how to fly different aircraft, um, you know, just pure chaos in the cockpit, uh, working through problems, um, you know, getting to know other pilots, the instructors and students alike and just kind of suffering together. Um, And then after, you know, selected uh, helicopters, again, more follow-on flight school there, a couple years uh, total while I was in in Whiting and Pensacola combined, Whiting Field. Um, And then headed out, selected uh, MH-60 Romeos, uh, submarine hunting aircraft, helicopter, went out to um, Mayport, Florida, did some more training out there for about a year. Had a little stint up at SEER School that was uh, entertaining for those that have been and know what it's all about. You went to Uh, SEER School, Maine? yeah, yeah, up in Kittery. So what, it was, what time it was, was uh, the
0: year?
1: Um, I was lucky enough. I ended up going in August. Yeah. So, so my time, no, August or September. But anyways, it was you know I think the lowest temperature it got was maybe like forty five fifty, and the hottest it got was maybe like seventy five. So I mean, didn't have to deal with the snow, didn't have to deal with the heat. It was great, man. Yeah, it was. It was like a camping trip. Yeah, <laughs> th-
0: yeah. That's not that's not bad. I know. Um, I, I went to see her here. Just up uh up like the fifteen somewhere. And um it, it was winter time, but like hot is like up in the desert. So like the night times were like down probably forties or thirties. And then yeah. uh times were pretty cold too. Uh, not one well, I wanna say cold. It, it it was it was good weather. Definitely not, like, main winter weather, which I would not have survived, I think, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Sears School yep. is something else, man. We'll talk about that in a little bit, maybe, you know. But, yeah, go yeah. ahead, bro. I just, like, Sears School, yeah. you know, is hands down the best training. If you ever get the opportunity, you know, you should take it because it's just the best training ever.
1: Yeah, n- nothing like what uh, what I expected it to be. I mean, you know, maybe a little. I guess that's unfair, right? A little like I expected it to be, but, man, there's a lot that I was just like, holy cow, right? This is. Yeah. Just- <laughs> This yeah. is great. Um, but anyways, yeah, finished, uh, you know, the uh, flight school at the F.R. Uh, and headed off to Atsugi, Japan. Um, my time in Atsugi was cut short because I ended up going down for some chest pains. Uh, obviously, you know about those because I ended up having to come out and spend some time with you while I was getting workups back at, uh, at Balboa. Uh, yep. Again, appreciate me chill with you there. Oh, sure, but, yeah, ultimately the Navy found me not physically qualified to, to continue flying for the chest pains that I had. So, you know, all, all the work up to this point, you know, um, all the, the late hours and the time away from family and, you know, the busy weekends studying instead of going to the zoo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was hurt, man. I was hurt bad, uh, you know, emotionally and everything else, because it was just all the work that I had put in uh, over the last three, four. Well, shoot, you include college, too. Right. Because I wanted to make sure I was competitive. Plus all the flight school. We're talking close to six, seven years at this point. Right. Of just training and everything else, trying to make sure that I look the best and I can do the best. So that way I get what I want. Right. That I'm the best pilot. There is the best aviator. There is whatever you want to call it. Um, and only to have it just ripped away, right? A couple of physicals, a couple of workups, and they said, nope, no more flying for you. Yeah, it hurt, man. It hurt bad. Um, took me about probably nine months to really get my head back in the game and say, hey, look, I, I can either, you know, fold and be done with this as it is, or I can move on and continue to try and be a leader, right? I'm an officer at this point, so I can, I can affect some change. You know, whereas, you know, old, old SK-2 or LS-2 Ivester could could impact very little right in the Navy and and very little with with uh, sailors careers and their progression and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, made the best of it, ended up uh, working with some good folks and redesignating to public affairs officer. Uh, and that's what I've been doing since. So went to, uh, left out of there a year early. Like I said, that tour was cut short. It was supposed to be three years, ended up being two, um, ended up heading to the East coast, um, planted roots with the family and stuff in Chesapeake, Virginia, had a couple of small schools and things that I had to go to, but ultimately I ended up being the deputy public affairs officer on, uh, mighty warship, John C. Stennis out of uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Um, and while I was there, man, it was, I'll tell you. You know, a lot of folks say, and I'm sure all of our enlisted listeners are going to (laughs) say carriers are awful, (laughs) you know, but I got to tell you, I'll put it like this, right? I know how my sailors lived. I know the things that they had to go through. There'd be no way in hell I could do enlisted life on a carrier, man. I just, it's so much, it's the grind is always there. You're always busy, um, and you know what? It's unfair for me to say that. It's just on a carrier, right? It's on every ship. I know this, right? Our sailors know this. Every ship is is tough, um, and that's why that's why it takes a lot of a lot of heart, a lot of uh, um, you know, a lot of we'll say some motivation, and a lot of dealing with some bullshit to to be on ships, right? Most definitely. Um, it, that's is what it is, right? Um, not gonna not gonna try and make it sound pretty or you know, more fun than it is, but I'll tell you, I had a blast on that carrier. Um, and of course I had the officer perks, right. It, and they are, they do exist, you know, uh, eating in the wardroom and, you know, different watches and some other stuff, but I chose to, to make the best out of it. And I ended up getting up on the bridge team, getting OD underway, qualified on a carrier. Um, and that's, that's awesome, man. That trust you get up there and steering the carrier and driving in the middle of the night and that kind of stuff is great. Um, I didn't actually end up OD underway, uh, qualified during any of the big underways that we did, um, some sorties and some other stuff. Uh, I did all my UIs, my under instruction watches and stuff, but, uh, I definitely con the hell out of that ship. Right. I drove it during all kinds of flight ops and everything else. So, but, um, all that to say, you know, where we're at now, uh, finished that tour. I got sent, uh, I got orders to go to Desron seven in Singapore to be the public affairs officer out there. And, that's where things got adventurous, we'll say. Um, We've been stuck in the hotel for five and a half months now because of our friend COVID. Um, You know, Singapore has their own policies for entry, and uh, there were just numerous occasions that we could just not get into. You know, it's like, hey, at one point, we were 72 hours from boarding the aircraft to get into that country after waiting two months. Uh, So we were super excited, right? All my household goods and everything are still in Singapore. Um, We launched those, you know, ahead of our move um as as is normal right you get your household goods picked up and then you'll follow um but anyways yeah uh 72 hours prior to that flight they they uh they locked the country down again for covid and we sat for another 3 <laughs> and then eventually uh, I had to take a hard look man and and you know luckily i had you know, people will look back and they'll say, Oh man, the detailer, what are they thinking? Right. Why would they send a family there knowing that it's locked down and everything else? But I had a good relationship with my detailer. And, and uh, ultimately I said, Hey, you know, at month four, four and a half ish, I was like, boss, something's got to give, like, I, we can't do this. We can't wait anymore. The kids aren't in school. Like I need to settle down. We need, we need order somewhere else. Um, and they, they made it happen. It You know, it, and I had to be patient. Right. Of course, things can never happen as fast as we want them to. Uh, But they made it work. And uh, so now we're headed to I'm going to be headed to the Navy History and Heritage Command at Washington Navy Yard for about a year. Working with uh, some outreach and stuff there. For those that don't know, History and Heritage Command is in charge of all the museums and some of that cool stuff that you see. Um, You know, our boss is getting swords. The Constitution is just one piece that History and Heritage uh, works with, Um, you know, all the all the museums around the country. And then after that year, I'll likely be headed to the Pentagon and do some work there for about another year. And so that's where we're at right now. In fact, I'm actually up in D.C. right now. We were doing some house hunting and uh, got a lease that popped in my email, got approved. So we get assigned that tomorrow morning and get the kids uh, paperwork for school enrolled. So that's where we're at, man. That's that's where we're sitting right now.
0: So before we jump into this, uh, let's just start there. You've been PCSing for five months.
1: Yeah, man. Even more than five at this point. Yeah. Well, going
0: on, like I said, going on almost six months, living in different hotels through what areas? Just like all right there in the Virginia, Norfolk, Chesapeake area.
1: Yeah. So what was kind of weird is, you know, when, when we're looking around, when we, when we first found out how this was going to go down, um, we, you know, we're looking for some short term stuff. Um, And, you know, I don't want to get into entitlements. I know you've got some some admin LDO friends and some, you know, uh, PS friends and stuff that uh, I'm sure they're they're certainly listening. Um, But, you know, not not to talk too much about entitlements. uh, Essentially, I wasn't going to get because it was in the same geographic location as my, my I stop was in the same geographic location as my departing uh, permanent duty station, my detaching permanent duty station while I was waiting to fly over. I wasn't going to get any new or any increased uh, housing allowance. I was still falling under my previous BAA trade. Um, but I couldn't continue living in the home because, you know, I, the, first of all, um, we, ha- we would have nothing, right? We would have to find air mattresses and stuff to stay in there, um, which, which is doable, but the owners ended up selling the home because the housing market is just too damn good. Right. So they ended up selling the home, which they were more than, you know, um, they, they helped us. We actually stayed in the home about seven months longer than what our lease was supposed to be for. And that was just them helping us out. So, you know, when they said, Hey, you're, you're getting your stuff picked up. Now's a good time. I think for you guys to move out, we're like, yeah, we agree. Like totally works. Um, so that said, you know, that BAH that we were receiving, we had to try and find a place that was, uh, you know, affordable based on that for a short term. And so at this point, right. You know, in my mind, if back in April, uh, we're like, look, let's find a hotel. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a little over BAH, we're only going to have to do this for three, four weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months. Right. Like that's it. So, we're looking for places. We're looking for some stuff because we consider doing a you know a short term apartment, month by month lease, and that. But then we're talking deposits, and you know we got to have a turnaround and an inspection on the place before we have to leave. And uh, we just we couldn't do that because essentially we get our we get our tickets, and then and then the next week you're flying out, right? Yeah. So it'd be difficult to to do all that stuff, especially with dealing with hey you know, short, short short-term lease break, like we could be in there for, you know, it could have only been a week, right? Um, We didn't know. So we damn sure didn't know it was going to be more than five months. Otherwise, we probably (laughs) would have done it. So we posted up at the Navy lodge, right? Everybody knows the Navy lodge. Uh, it's not terrible. Um, you know, it gets the job done for our service members. Um, and the lodge that we were at, they've got some awards and stuff for being the best lodge in the, in the world and some other things. And it's close to the base. So, you know, I damn sure enjoyed driving the seven minutes up to the base rather than, you know, my 35 to hour long commute that I had down in Chesapeake up to Norfolk. So anyways, our stay there, we, uh, you know we we initially booked for 2 months and we were like there's no way in hell we're going to be here for 2 months um and we had the dog with us and then the three kids so um i got three kids 14 uh, 11 almost 12 years old and 9 years old my wife and i and then we got a small beagle um and we're we we stayed 2 months in a uh, roughly 300 square foot apartment with two full size beds in it and a pull out couch um you know uh, a kitchen with with six plates two pans six forks, right? Like that's what we were living on. We were living out of eight suitcases for that two months because again, we were supposed to be wheels up headed to Singapore. Um, well, uh, like I said, uh, we had, we were 72 hours from flying out. They ended up canceling our stuff. So, um, we ended up, we were able to make a trip back home, um, and just go visit some family or whatever over the 4th of July. And that was a short trip. But when we got back, uh, Navy Lodge was booked up, all booked up. So we couldn't, couldn't get into there. So we eventually ended up getting a place with the Navy gateway Inn's and suites, um, which for, again, those that are, that are listening, they know that's for the TAD folks rather than the PCS folks, but they're changing again, changing entitlements and the use of those places. But ultimately it didn't matter. Uh, we ended up getting in and instead, now we're in a, uh, it's a four bedroom. It's basically like a, like a, like a condo really. Um, it's small and you know, it's certainly, it's certainly still cramped for our family, but I'll tell you what, it's a lot better than 300 square feet. And we've been making that work for the last uh, three months or so. Um, you know, mind you, when we got the word that we were going to take off, when we drove up back up to Iowa, we left the dog up there with my in-laws. We left my car up there with my in-laws. So when we came back for what we expected was only going to be, you know, a, you know, a week or two before we... Blew out, uh, turned again, turned out to be several months. So once we got orders that we were staying here, my wife had to make a quick turn and, uh, she got on a plane, went out there, got my car, drove it halfway back this way. We met the, met her in Charleston, West Virginia with, the, with the uh, kids so they could say what's up to the dog. And we made, had a little fun, right? Pool, ate some pizza at the, at that hotel. It was weird to get out of one hotel and into another one felt like a vacation. It was strange, yeah. but Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, five, five months, man. And there's a, there's a, uh, you know, a lot that happens that you just don't think about when you're that close with your family for so long. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, when you're in a, when you're in a room that's 300 square feet and your two of your kids start fighting, right. And you're trying to discipline them. Where do you send them yeah. to sit on the you for the next four hours? Right. Like, yeah, they can't get away from each other. So anyways, yeah, that's, that's where we're at now. And there's, uh, there's some stuff with schools and some other things. Um, yeah, that, take uh, us through that.
0: that. Not, you know, we were talking about that a little bit. So the kids, there's a little bit of summer break, but summer break nowadays only lasts like two months. So your school, your kids, all school age, you know, what, it was shit middle school almost going into high school, right? Your eldest, yeah. like they've been out of school for almost now six months so where the, did they complete their well six months what's this fucking september yeah so they they were pulled out of their last uh quarter of school right
1: so we ended up actually electing to do our kids virtually uh the whole last school year okay so they gave you the, and there were different points along the school year where um you know you could commit you had to commit at least for, you know, the first four months or six months or something like that of the school year, it virtually, and then you got the opportunity again to say, Hey, this, the rest of the school year for the spring, do you want to send them or do you want to keep them home and do whatever? And for us, we ended up, so initially we said, Hey, COVID was still scaring everybody. We're like, you know what? We're going to keep the kids home for the first part. Um, and so we did. And then when it came time for the second call, uh, we already found out we're going to Singapore and we're like, listen, if we, We talked with the school and we said, if we virtually school our kids, when we make that move to Singapore, would you allow them, you know, because we knew we're going to leave around April timeframe before the end of the school year, uh, would they allow the kids to continue to finish out the school year virtually sure we'd turn in their Chromebooks and all kinds of other stuff. And they said, yeah, um, as long as we're not enrolling in another school, because we're still in that transient status and whatever. Um, they were going to accommodate and allow the kids to finish virtual school. And they did. Uh, and so they were able to finish the school year. Of course, you know, they didn't get to say bye to friends and all this other stuff. A couple of the schools had some, uh, some farewell parties and that kind of stuff at parks. Uh, and so they did go get to hang out with a couple of friends one day, you know, but again, yeah, the whole school year didn't didn't have any interaction with their friends other than on the computer screen. Um, but So then, yeah, so they finished the school year in May, uh, May, June, something like that virtually. But at this point, we're in the lodge. And we we're like, okay, cool. And we kept getting all the emails. They're like, hey, enroll your, you know, sign up for your, your classes. My oldest is starting his freshman year. So they're like, you know, got to pick your classes for this year. Um, my middle child would, would be starting. She's in sixth grade now. So it was the same thing, right? Got to get your classes lined up and everything else. And we talked to the school and they're like, no, don't worry about them. Like, if you guys think you're leaving, like, sure, you could sign them up. Otherwise they'll just get kind of the default schedule. Uh, they're not going to get anything fancy, right? Like it's just going to follow whatever their old courses had. So my oldest, right. He took French in his eighth grade year because the school offered it. So naturally they signed him up for French for his freshman year. So anyways, we, uh, we end up, um, we continue to get emails throughout the summer as stuff is progressing and we're starting the conversation with the school district in which they were enrolled. I'll leave them out of it just because, uh, there are, there is going to be more than likely some legal action, uh, on our behalf to try and help out service members. So I'm going to not say the school district. Uh, but anyways, the, the school district, um, you know, we got some emails, we worked with them. We said, Hey, are our kids going to be allowed to get into school? Uh, if we happen to still be here and they were like, well, we'll deal with that when we get to it. Um, but yeah, you know, we support the military, we support our service members, all this other stuff. Right. Um, and we're like, okay, great. And, you know, come this, uh, it was a couple days before the holiday because, you know, most of the kids start September 4th, 5th, 6th, something like that, right after the holiday weekend. Um, And we get some emails. They're like, Hey, here's your schedule. Here's orientation. Here's whatever. And we're like, okay, so our kids are able to go to school or are they not able to go to school? Um, and we were told at this point, we started working with a school liaison officer, which for those who are unfamiliar is an individual who helps represent military families when they want to appeal decisions by the school district, by the school board, uh, to, to assist with getting enrolled in schools when you get to an area, um, And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak too much to the different things that they do, but I'd assume that, you know, if you had some EFMP or exceptional family member stuff to get your kid in school, they would be uh, a good start to try and help figure out what schools can accommodate and that kind of stuff. Right.
0: Is that, Um, is that person like a military person or is that per school at the school?
1: Yeah, it's, it's an individual. So ours, you know, our, our folk uh, and they're just familiar, right? They've been in the area for so long. They've worked for They've worked through, you know, the school districts. They worked, you know, they they may have been an educator at one point. um, And they just they know the area. Right. Yeah. Uh, They get those ties with the military. And then that's just what they do. Okay. Um, Each, generally speaking, each base or each region will have a school liaison officer to try and help through a situation like ours. So of course we, you know, we plead our case to this guy and and tell him, Hey, this is the situation. This is what we're in. This is what we're trying to do. Um, You know, we're, we're posted up in these hotels and the kids were supposed to be, you know, we weren't even supposed to be here. All we want our kids is to get into their schools, right? Get back with their friends, get into the education curriculum, whatever. Um, And then, so it came back that the, so it came back that our, our uh, request was denied. And so ultimately what that would normally mean, okay, would be, you would, um, you would essentially appeal it. Right. Uh, and if that came back denied, then you would end up sending your kids. There's a reason why. Right. And the reason would be, they would say, well, uh, because you're out of zone. Right. And ultimately that's what this would look like. Traditionally, um, you know, you can't send kids to school out of zone without some dang good reasons. Right. Right. Um, and ultimately that's, that's kind of what it looked like was we were trying to send our kids to school out of zone, even though they'd already been there, it looks like we moved out of zone, out of district, uh, and we were trying to still melt the system and send them to a good school. Um, but we were in this situation where, you know, we, we were in transit, right? It's not like we were were living in another city or something like that, trying to send our kids to a a quote unquote better school district or a better school. We were just trying to keep them in the same school system that they were already in with the same schools and same teachers and friends that they had already established over the last three years. Uh, Especially with us, you know, leaving in a a rapid in a moment's notice with, you know, no idea when that would be. Um, But they came back and they said, Hey, because you guys reside in this particular area, guess what? Your kids are zoned for this other school district and that's where they have to go. And we're like, well, you know, that sucks. We really don't want to do that, but let's go down that road and let's start that process. We'll still continue to appeal and, and work through and try and get them back to the school with their friends. Because at this point, uh, I, we just wanted stability for our children, right? At this point, we're already trying to renegotiate orders and, you know, get them moved to another location instead of Singapore because, you know, it, we just got to get them in school. Well, the second school district, the one that they said that we were zoned for because of where we were residing in the hotels, uh, came back. And because we couldn't produce a uh, a lease of some sort saying where Address, we resided. or bill or something. Or, right. Yeah. Because we didn't have that. We didn't have proof that we resided there either. Now, my hotel bill, um, it should have worked. Uh, and there were the schools, some folks at the school said, yeah, that would work. We could take a hotel bill, but the school district, you know, the people that the the forces that be the ones in charge said, no. And so now here I am military family with, with no way to get my kids into a school. So we're, we're frantic, like we're, my wife and I were, oh man, we were heated. We like, it's, so it's one thing to be, um, displaced from your home. It's one thing to be you know, by choice, uh, posted up somewhere or moving and causing these hardships for yourself and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and to endure that by yourself and to endure that, you know, no household goods, no car, uh, our pet by this point, right. Is with in-laws at this point. Remember, I told you that BAH, we were upside down. So we're, you know, we're incurring some pretty significant debt and some other stuff. Uh, we can handle all that. We can work through that. We can manage the stress. But, man, let me tell you, when when they told me no twice over, right, two different districts, and I had no school to send my children to, like, bro, we were fucking pissed. Like, yeah. you, you don't mess with kids, man. Like, you just yeah. can't. So we started to explore some options for virtual school, for for private schools, for different things. Um, and, again, in the back of our mind, we're like, stability. The last thing I want to do is start them in an online school that they're just going to get removed out of three weeks later when we move and put into another school. But, you know, we have to weigh the pros and cons. If I don't start them in that, that online school, now they will have been out of school, you know, what, two months by the time they actually get into a physical school. So, excuse me, that's not going to work either. But anyways, ultimately, um, stuff worked out. Uh, we got the orders that popped. I'm up here in D.C. trying to do the thing that we can do and get these kids into school. And they're, they're accommodating up here. Again, got a hold of the school liaison, and they're getting all the all. They've accelerated it so literally. I I went in, and we said, "Hey, we're moving to the area soon. The kids have not been in school. This is what we're looking at. I don't have the lease yet, but we're getting it." Um, and they were like, okay, cool. You got your orders. You got whatever. I was like, yep, here's this, this, and this. Okay. When are you trying, when are you planning to be here? I said this date. And then I told I was like, look, my orders have me detaching, you know, September 30. I've got to be up in the area within 30 days, right? I can only take so much leave and we're trying to get up there to get the kids in school. So they did, uh, they approved what they call pre-enrollment, which basically it it really just means it kind of expedites the stuff so that the schools can accept our documents and that kind of thing while we um, continue to get them the lease. Now we still own those documents, but at the same time, like at least they're working with us, right? The other school districts were not, they were not, not working with us. Um, now, uh, all that to say, there are some federal laws and some federal acts and things that protect, uh, a lot of folks in different situations and, you know, differing opinions on what would protect us. But, um, You know, there's nothing out there that protects specifically military families in this situation. Right. Um, And so that's kind of where we're pursuing this, looking at some legal issues and getting some counsel. And and, uh, you know, all we want to do is make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. And, you know, what's crazy, man, is how many times has this happened before and service members have just been you know, thrown to the side and they just have to eat it and deal with it and you know they're not around to continue to fight the system because why because they ended up getting the PCS like they were supposed to just late yeah um or and, i you know, mean like,
0: how many other people did it just happen to you know during the last year like yourself yeah you know sitting around and, and and you know it's interesting so so your BAH it was it was cut is that what happened like you went from like Chesapeake BAH down to, to Norfolk BAH or no. or what
1: also, uh, I still got, I still got the same at, at the command. Right. So yeah. I would still get the more folk BAH rate. Cause that's where the ship was. Um, and I'll, and then my intermediate stop was also there. Right. Yeah. So what what ended up happening was, um, the, the hotel costs are what drove they went, they went up. Right. So um, I'm not, I'm not yeah. So my BAH was, I think 21, 12 or twenty one thirty nine something like that. Right. Just over, just over $2,100 a month. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the place we were living was about $2,400 a month, right? Because of course, whatever, we, you know how it goes. You yeah. know, you, you play the game. You, how much can we afford? Is it worth it? Is the you know, all these other things. So to us, it was, we paid a little over BAH. But when you're talking, you know, the, the NGIS or the Lodge, some of those rates, man, you're talking, you know, just shy or if not over $100 a night, even for long-term stuff. Yeah. So, you I'm looking at, at 21 and I'm sure, you know, our listeners, Hey, give me shit. Right. An officer complaining about, you know, what's 800 bucks a month or something like that. Um, and I get it. Right. But, but ultimately it's something to consider, right? We had to consider it and it is an inconvenience to us, even with some travel pays and some other stuff trying to help out. Um, because we've, we incurred a whole bunch of other debts. Uh, trying to get over there, i.e., shipping our dog because uh, we had to. We had to get the, We wanted to get the dog. That's by choice. We were going to take the dog with us, so we had to pay a shipper fifty six hundred bucks to make that happen. Right. Damn. Uh, so when you start to add those things up, you know, eight hundred dollars Delta upside down each month over five months. Now we're talking, you know, some pretty significant money that we're losing. So
0: yeah, uh, it's it, Yes, you're. You go check out a O three E fucking pay, you know pay chart everyone just go google the fucking thing sure he makes some money that doesn't do away with the fact that uh the situation is fucked up and that the military and you know partially by way of covid is you know and, and not even the military so much but like you know these school districts and everything The the whole situation is impressing upon you like the these debts and stuff you know uh something that i've shared recently um with me being in, in the LCS community that I am, right? Um, when they switched me ships, I was on a, on a pre-com. I think I've told you this, right? I'm not sure. But I was on a precom that wasn't supposed to be ready for three years. And I know the listeners have heard this. And then when they moved me, they asked me, like, is there any reason why you can't, like, go to this new ship? And I was like, yes, because I don't have, like, family. I don't have no kid care, no child care, right? Like, it, it just doesn't work, right? The way we planned, as the Navy wants you to, right, you know your sea shore flow and all this like we have a plan to work this way and you know i told them i was like look if i have to send both kids to you know child care that's like 1500 bucks a month pushing almost yeah. two grand okay like this is california okay and the second if um you know everyone knows my wife is a nurse and people just look at it like oh y'all got it you have two grand every month and then, you know, should she have to switch to day shift because of for whatever reason, right? Because someone has to pick them up because she, there's no night care. if I have duty or something overnight, right? And she works. I have duty. Where are the kids going? You know what I mean? So I was like, you guys understand like that's two grand out plus her taking a PECA of day shift, which equates somewhere to like four to five grand a month. You know what I mean? Like, the two grand out plus her. her like, I was like, don't get caught up of just because you make money, you know, that there isn't shit happening there. You know what I mean? Whether it's officer, civilian, right. you know, chiefs, whatever. Like, everyone, every family has different situations. And all we're trying to say is, if it's happening to you, you'd be damn sure that's happening to E3 Johnny and his family yeah. that right. isn't getting shit worth a paycheck, Right. That's having yep. to find out some kind of way to, to make it work as well, and that's what's fucked up about it. It doesn't matter your pay grade. What 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 matters is it shouldn't be happening. So you right. said you have you guys are taking some legal actions to try to to try to get it figured out.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and again, what what we're really looking for, what we're trying to do, is just you know at the, at the very least bring this shit up to the attention of of someone beyond the person sitting at the desk making the decision to say yes or no. Um, even if it adds a person to the review chain for an appeal or something like that, uh, even if it, you know, requires some additional training for the folks that handle enrollments or military service members, kids, something like that, just, just something right. Um, you know, and it's going to be, I don't expect it to be quick. We do not expect it to be fast, uh, fast. And, you know, luckily for us, we're close enough that we ought to be able to make several trips down up from the, you know, from the D.C. area back down to Norfolk anytime we need to go into court or fill out documents or, you know, whatever the case is. So we're going to we're going to pursue it, man. We're going to we're going to continue and try and make it right. Um, And, you know, maybe perhaps there's something out there that exists already that's supposed to protect us. And it's just so. Uh, you know it's just unknown like it's just never used that people aren't educated on it and if that's the case you know let that shit float to the top so everyone sees it
0: definitely and you yeah, know i commend you on that for uh for that bro because it, it's um too often especially as like kh- khaki leadership and everything right Is like um you just roll with those punches right You're like oh yeah well it's hard you know it, well there's gonna be hard times you know and, and and then you finally you get the change that you want now you get new orders or whatever it is and uh, you're just like, well, you know, honey, it's all right. We're fine. We're we're going now. Right. We got the orders. We're in a place. It's fine. It's okay. But it's still happening down the road. And hopefully there is something out there um, already that is helping uh, people out that, that just like you said, that just needs to be bring brought up. And, you know, that, um, you know, it could be kicked to the right levels uh, as part of like check-in process. As part of that, you know, you want to get super fucking sailor here as the sponsorship program and stuff, right? Because like school liaison fucking person, I never heard of that, right? I mean, yeah. one, my kids aren't in school; they're they're approaching school age, and we've never PCS out of San Diego while having kids, but i mean like if you're a listener like jump on the facebook comments like have you ever fucking heard of the school liaison officer maybe you have maybe it's just me because i i'm not in that you know area of, of life yet but i think that's pretty fucking important right yeah especially when you're pcsing back and forth and this and that but yeah man um it's super shitty six months man. Oh man. I know my wife would have lost her shit on somebody fucking somewhere as I'm sure, you know, your, yours as well. Um, having to keep her reeled in probably right with it. I mean,
1: woo. that's the thing, man. Right. Is, you know, we talk about the stressors and everything else with the move and, and all the other things, you know? Um, and this is the one, right? My wife, it, I, I won't go too much into it, but this is the one that, that stressed her to the point where, Uh, we were seeking, you know, chaplain assistance and some other things to manage through that stress. Um, you know, it, it shouldn't come down to that, right. It shouldn't get to that point. Uh, there should be folks willing to help to, you know, make exceptions and, you know, to really just think of the kids, you know, think of the children, do what's best for them. You know, hey, oh, man, I guess I lost the paper that says that they can't go here. Just get the kids in school for three weeks. And I'll tell you, the schools themselves, the actual schools themselves had had even come out and they had said, you know, different individual. The schools were like, we had no idea you were going through this move, through any of this stuff. And we're like, how we've been communicating back and forth with the district. So there was a there was a wall there. Where the schools basically told us, you know, uh, it, it, hey, if we would have known about this, we would have been trying to help you from this side to, to get the kids in. And we could try and work some things and whatever the case would be. But um, because we went about doing things the right way and not the shady way, uh, that's where we hit the wall. Right. And so what does that tell us? What does that tell me? You know, next time I'm not going to talk to the district at all. I'm just going to let my kids show up at school and the school, the district isn't going to know any different that we're not. In the same place, right? Yeah. Um, that ain't the right way to do business, right? We're not out here. I'm not advocating breaking the law and stuff like that, right? Getting folks in trouble. Because I think <laughs> even filling out the paperwork today with the kids' stuff with school, um, it said that it was a, I don't know, different class. It said it was a, a class four misdemeanor or whatever if you lie about where your kids live trying to get them enrolled in school. But ultimately, it's a crime, right? Doesn't matter what type. And yeah. I'm not here recommend that to people. Um, and so we're going to try and, and help, you know, push this through, get some get some guidance, get some clarity on the situation. And we've talked about going to the media. We've talked about, um, you know, like I said, hiring some different attorneys. We've already talked started talking to some of those folks and uh, we'll see where it goes, man. Well, and uh, I'll have to follow up as that yeah. stuff proceeds for sure. Right. Uh, you know, uh, write write That
0: Congress person, whoever it is, uh, Virginia or whatever, write them and then see what they could do or whatever. But so, you know, now that we've covered that, let, let's back up throughout your career a little bit and let's talk about that. Um, y- your pilot time, right? So you, you go through college and, and we might get back on another episode and talk about state 21 and all your experience of that. But let's talk about, you know, you, you go become, a, are you an aviator? Or are you a pilot? I know y'all get nerdy so, about I, that shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. After you, it don't matter, man. You call me a pilot, you call me an aviator. It, it doesn't matter what it is, right? And notice I said you can call me because I'm never not going to be one. I still got my wings. I still got everything else, right? Just because the doc said I can't fly doesn't mean that I'm not still a pilot. Um, but yeah, so you come out of college and you're a student naval aviator or an SNA, they call it, right? You're like, oh, I'm an aviator. That's <laughs> so cool, right? Um, yeah, man yeah so and, uh, yeah
0: so then you're like right, so I know you were over here you're you going through the, this medical process and everything um and, and you know let's touch on the 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 hey you can't fly anymore like what kind of like how dark was that period because something I like to try touch on is people's different uh, experiences with that stuff because as, as I've, I as I'm sure you know you being a listener you've heard like I haven't experienced those times right? so i cannot share anything that like that uh, of my own with people so i feel it's always important for people to hear like others who have gone through their dark times um i'm not gonna say depression or whatever because i don't know what it was but you know everyone has dark times um mentally or physically or whatever so you know why don't you share like what was it like for you and you know how dark did you get and how did you pull yourself out of it
1: yeah so, so to kind of give you i to set the tone for that um I got to give you a couple of couple of background pieces here right so back when I was in like third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, I was a real shithead kid, man. I had all kinds of problems. Um, you know, ADHD, cause it was, it was the new thing that was popping out. Uh, I had ODD, which is uh, oppositional defiance basically means I disrespect authority figures just because they're in a position of authority. You know, you tell me to do something, I say, get fucked. Like I'm not doing it right. <laughs> just because you told me to, I'm not going to, right. That's, that's the kind of stuff. And that's just being a shitty person, right? Shitty kid. But anyway, it don't matter matter. Anyways, um, so going through school, you know, you always, they always ask you, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Even as a little kid, I remember being like, I want to fly. You know, people are, other people are like, I'm going to be the president. I'm going to be an astronaut. For me, it was flying. I wanted to, I was going to be a pilot, a jet pilot, helicopter. Didn't matter. I was going to fly something. Right. Um, and I, because I was such a shitty kid, uh, and, you know, no, no, no disrespect to the teachers that told me this, they were just being real with me. Right. Um, based on my performance in school, they were like, look, you might want to plan for something else, man. Like that's a cool dream. And you know, normally we say like, you can achieve it, uh, if you work you can hard, achieve but, anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, but bro, like, you, you know, uh, it, Tony, that's what they call me, right? Tony, you need to, you need to reevaluate where you're headed and what your dreams are based on kind of your attitude and your schoolwork and all this other stuff. Right. So as a young child, you know, fifth, sixth grade, something like that, uh, you know, basically deterred from those, from those dreams. And they, they fell away. Right. I went through middle school, went through high school, all that stuff. And, um, you know, never, never really thought about it again until Seaman Admiral popped up. Right few years down the road after graduation. And I was like, Oh, so this is a possibility, right? I just got to bust my ass and get in there and I'm good. Right. Um, so to be accepted, right. In that program is, is one, it's, it's real competitive and we'll talk about that on another episode or whenever you want. But anyways, get, get picked up for that pilot stuff, bust my ass through college. And I wanted to be the guy that was bring you know, banging 4.0 the whole time. And I almost did it, uh, because I want wanted to make sure that I was ready for what flight school was going to bring me. I wanted to be build those academic practices. Right. Learning how to study that kind of stuff. That's what I view college viewed college as to prepare me for flight school because I knew it was going to be tough. Um, And so in college is where I really started to um, to mature with those types of study habits and that kind of stuff. Right. In the world of academia. And so during that time, you know, uh, part of the Seaman Admiral program is that you've got to get the degree within three years. And anybody that knows how long a bachelor's degree takes three years is, is rough, right? Like, especially when I have some other obligations, you have to get through a certain level of math through a certain level of, of science and physics and some other things. Plus my obligations to the ROTC unit with different courses that they offer. Anyways, you know, a lot of those would normally count as electives, but unfortunately they, you know, it doesn't matter. You still have to fit them in. Even if they they count or they don't count, you still have to fit them in. So there were times when I was taking 22, 24 credit hours a semester, right? When the normal workload is only 12 to 15. Um, And that's important to mention because I was, I was very, very, uh, infrequently home, if you'll, you know, I was gone. I was at school all the time. I would stay the night at friends' houses that were closer to the school so that I could get up in the morning and go to my early classes. Sometimes my classes, man, I'd have night classes that would start at 6 p.m. and not get done until 9 p.m. After a full day of other classes through schoolwork, PT with the unit going around and marching and doing some other nonsense, uniform inspections, that kind of stuff. And so I had a full day of work followed by essentially night school. Right. But I did full day of school followed by night school. Um, But anyways, again, busting my ass through there. Then let's talk flight school. So all throughout flight school. Right. You're being judged. You're being graded against your peers, your performance, your knowledge. Um, in the aircraft, how you handle emergency procedures, your judgment, those types of things. And so you've got to practice, right? You have to study, you have to get into the book. You've got to know this shit cold. Yeah. Um, and so, ultimately, like, I know I keep using that word. I guess that's my pet word, right? You guys will have to go back in the podcast and see how many times I said, ultimately, when we're done with this, put them in the comments. (laughs) But, uh, you know, all that effort, all that time that I put into the studying to mastering the aircraft to mastering all that stuff, to make sure that I was at the top of the class to the, you know, the top of my peers, so that when it came down to it, I was I was able to select any platform that I wanted. I didn't want the Navy to choose my platform, my pipeline for me. And I did it, right? I I qualified for jets, chose helicopters. I knew I wanted to fly helicopters. Um, When it came time for helicopter selection out of there, you know, again, it's competitive. And it's like, hey, you know, the best folks go here generally. This is what you do, whatever. Same thing, right? Right. I earned some, some awards out of the, out of the FRS and stuff when we were done. But again, all that to say all that time that I'm away from family and now during this time, my kids, so my youngest, my youngest boy was born, um, what would be equivalent of my senior year in college. So at this point I've got the two other ones, they're young, right? Um, I'm going to misquote the ages cause I'm not going to do the public math, but maybe like seven and three or seven and four something like that. Right. And then my youngest was born my senior year. So The next basically, so three years of college and then three years of flight school. So we're talking six years. It was basically like one long ass deployment where, yeah, dad's home, but he's not really home. Don't go into his office. Don't bother him. Like he may come out and eat dinner or he might eat dinner in his office. He might not even come home tonight because he's at the friend's house studying emergency procedures on, you know, hey, uh, eject, 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 right? What happens if you get a fire? What happens if the transmission goes out? All these kinds of things, right? Knowing all the the procedures and the systems that, 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 work, uh, so that, you know, when you see an indication pop up, I know in my head already it's muscle memory. I know exactly what to do, that kind of stuff. Right. So in order to get to that point, you, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. So, uh, I did that right. And then we get to Japan and I'm loving it, right? Loving it. Absolutely. Having a blast. Um, and you know, I start to, so I'll I'll go back. The thing that brought me down was these chest pains and these chest pains I had experienced basically ever since I came back from my time in Iraq, which would have been 2007. Um, and you know, burn pits or otherwise, whatever the cause of this thing is, don't know. Precordial catch is the diagnosis. Uh, and it's just kind of a phantom pain that occurs in my chest every once in a while. Sometimes it happens, you know, uh, two, three times a month. Other times it happens once every six months. But the bottom line is, you know, you don't know when it's going to happen and it could happen while I'm flying the aircraft, trying to land on the back of the boat at night on goggles. And my co-pilot is, you know, he's got vertigo and I'm the only way to get this helicopter down safely. And so you can imagine, right? Like it makes sense why they don't want me at the controls with something like that. But anyways, so when I go, when I get told that I can't fly anymore, the only thing that I can think about is that this dream that I've worked for that I was told I wasn't going to be able to achieve. I proved all those fucking haters wrong. And those people that said I couldn't do it. Right. And I was like, I did it. I'm here. I'm flying. Right. I did that shit only to be told, well, not anymore. You're not doing that. So now really they're right. Right. Like they won a little bit. The other thing is all of that lost time that I, that I essentially, for lack of a better term, I fucking wasted. I, sp- I could have spent that time being a better father, a better husband, you know, a better sailor. Uh, but instead I was worried about being a better pilot. Right. So that's six years essentially of education and, and flying. And believe me, it was fun that it, it, I'm never going to forget my time flying. Uh, but to just look back at that, after all that effort and time that I put into it, that it really amounts to nothing. You know, I got the wings on my chest, but I can't go, you know, into a squadron and be like, hey, Liz, what's up, guys? Let's fly. Right. It doesn't work that way. So when I retire, those wings will be in my shadow box. But that's about all that they're going to carry. You know, I never I never got to the point where I was able to be an aircraft commander, which is kind of the, the big milestone of, um, you know, of being a pilot is to reach that and say, hey, that basically means that the CEO of the squadron has said, I trust you. We've tested you. We have boarded you. We have berated you. Uh, we trust you can take this aircraft up, you know, and be the commander of this thing with your own crew, doing whatever, own mission, meeting my intent, doing the mission out by yourself, whatever the case is safely, uh, and efficiently, um, and manage the crew and all those other things. Right. I never got to that point because I was down too early. So in my mind, I've got unfinished business, unfinished business that I'm never going to be able to prove to myself or others that I would have been able to do. Um, and so again, all that stuff's left on the table. And so it was frustrating, man. It was, it was dark. Um, and I think what really brought me out of it was, you know, just my wife won. Okay. Uh, the support from the people in the squadron and my CO and XO and my chiefs and, you know, the sailors and everything, they knew what was going on. I was transparent about everything. And, you know, I'd let them know like, Hey man, I'm feeling shitty today. Like the, the, you know, the emotions are coming back up and they would be like, all right, what do you need to do? What do you need from us? Like, what do you want to do? And they were, they, where do you want to go? What do you want for your career? Like, let's make that happen. Let's move forward. Um, and they did. And, uh, and I still maintain comms with a lot of those folks and talk to them. I bitch to them about this PCS even, right. They're like, Oh man, they're like, your career sucks, man. I was like, I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, it took me, like I said, probably the better part of nine months to come out of that hole. Um, and, you know, everything I looked, everything was, you know, glass half empty type of type of view. You know, it would rain one day and I'd be like, yep, fucking figures, it's raining. Like what? Like, the weather? Really? I'm getting pissed <laughs> off about the weather. <laughs> but, would you
0: would you? Um, I don't think you would, but would you say like or kind of consider that your career has sucked?
1: You know, I, I can't, it's, it's so, it's so hard for me to say this. Right. But the Navy has presented me with so many unique opportunities and so many cool things, um, that I have to say that it's cool. You know, uh, fucking, I bet you any, any, and well, I can't say any, right. But I guarantee you, there's a hell of a lot of E fives out there that would say, fuck it. I'll go to college, get commissioned, and go to flight school and fly for a couple of years only for them to tell me I can't fly later. Like that just ate six years of my career and I had a blast doing it. You mean right? I know, like,
0: you had like and, and like so I say sucked, but you know, you could put that a lot of different ways, right? Um it it, it, it did it suck because you're not flying? Sure, maybe yeah, right? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, has it sucked because like um you spent all the time away from family? Yeah, for sure. Has it sucked because how many deployments have you been on?
1: Oh man, too many.
0: <laughs> but like, <laughs> like many. how, like how many, like you made one, <laughs> you made the IA one as a pilot, like out of uh, actual pilot and then the standard. and then, yeah. The okay.
1: Stuff with the so, okay. And okay. then all the, and then all the in and outs, you know, the little underways. So I think yeah. we did get in, in a matter of six months, seven months, we did six. So in a matter of, so it was six months. Yeah. In a matter of six months. We did seven or eight uh, underways.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, carrier, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's you know getting okay. a carrier underway not easy. So, yeah. but again, so all that stuff. But yeah, as far as major deployments are concerned, I mean, only a couple. Yeah, um, but then little shit here and there, right? Yeah, so, yeah.
0: It's always the little shit in between that. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. So it's like you know, um, but even though you've done all that, you know, you you think well, like well, it sucked because again, you're not flying and you haven't actually done what you set out to do yeah right yep. you know where like you said other you know some other E five might be looking man you haven't done shit like you've barely done shit like you know they'd be happy about barely doing shit right whereas right. like to you like you like yeah but you know i haven't done as much shit but the shit i have done has still taken away time so it to, to me it's just a, there's like so many ways you could look at it and yeah. w- when people are sitting there or even yourself like and you know how many points of view do you look, do you look at it? You know?
1: Yeah. And, and you know, you you bring up a good point, right? Like going back and looking at the deployment count, I mean, I think what four, three or four, like no shit, actual deployments plus the end the the in and out underway stuff or whatever. Right. But when you, I mean, you've got friends that have been on this podcast that have been on that many and one tour, you know, like, and just a four or five years since, they've been that underway that many times. Um, and, you know, shit, talk, talk 17 years. How many have they been on by that point? 20, you know, yeah. you look at my C service, my overseas service, you know, what all that stuff. Like I only got a couple stars on there, man. I'm not sitting there with the, a <laughs> the big rack, you know, yeah. uh, but, but no. Yeah, and to say that is like, you know, that's what brings me back to like unfinished business, right? Like I haven't got to really uh, do that kind of stuff, but now I'm in the public affairs world. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of folks like to think of us as kind of, you know, we, we are support, right? We're support, we're staff, that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, especially where I'm going, right, I'm going to a, a command that works outreach and stuff for UCMs. Um, and so not getting underway, not deploying. Same thing with the Pentagon time, some more staff work, not getting underway, not deploying. Uh, and so my career could potentially end without another deployment happening at all, depending on what that next you know, the next duty station holds. And I mean, you can't be mad about that. (laughs) I didn't say I was, I was mad now.
0: I I mean, that's just, you know, um, but it's all right. So, you know, uh, I I brought that up to my wife and and it it didn't go well Um, because no one likes to deploy. Right. Right. But when you've been on so many and it's part of the life, right especially like not like not even for yourself like really like for uh, i mean i'm just gonna keep saying what i'm saying like for the black shoe navy sailor right the you know the the tin can the small boy you know yeah carrier aviation people too but deployments are a bit different right for for everyone you guys going just you know kind of as the rider the debt on the ship or you know um whether it's a dist- would you would you get on destroyers or cruisers at all or were you strictly uh, sub- sus, yeah. uh carriers yeah,
1: that was destroying and cruisers yeah
0: yeah so you know but so for that ship's company person on that small boy like and having all that yeah i was talking to some of the chiefs at work before and i was like if i don't have to make another deployment i'll be fucking happy like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna cry over not making another deployment but then there's a little bit of sailor part in you that's like yeah but one more deployment you know one last hooyah, you know out there you know wouldn't that be cool just to go see to go see the world one last time and you're like yeah that'd be cool yeah but i don't want to i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah i don't i don't i don't really want to um yeah so so it's it's uh i don't know it's tough it's tough you know um thinking about it like that. But again, like in in your situation, PAO now, not having to uh, possibly make another one. I mean, you feeling pretty good about that?
1: You know, the thing is, is I, that's, I was really looking forward to getting out to Desron seven because I, I love being operational, man. I love, I love that. And maybe that's just because I haven't had enough of it yet. How about that? Maybe that, maybe I'm still fresh. Right. Um, And maybe I haven't been tainted by the bad ones yet. I've only had good, good deployments. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and let's be frank, right? I have not had a true deployment as an enlisted sailor. So all I know is the Gucci ass life that these officers are getting underway. It happens. Uh, So the perks are there and and I don't, you know, um, and and again, hats off to those enlisted sailors because there'd be no way in hell I could do it, man. If we went back and Sigonella was not my first tour after that, you know, I think I would have been out after that, that first, the, you know, that first enlistment, I would have been gone. Chalk's out. See you later. Yeah. You think so. Yeah. I think so, man. I think that would have been the case. Yeah, it would have been too much. Yeah.
0: It, it's different, you know, and, and, um, you know, like I said, I think, I think we'll get into that in another podcast uh, about some of that stuff. Cause I got a lot of questions. Um, not, not, not new things that I've talked to you about, but just like new ways to talk about it. But you know, um, what you so you're going to the history and heritage command yeah you will know, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap with this segment here what are you looking to get out of the history and heritage command or what what i'm a big fan of history i know you are too so like what would be your dream like assignment or dream like thing to cover as a pao for history and heritage like what like what would you like, I have no fucking clue what they're doing. Follow them on Facebook. They post some cool shit because it's Naval History stuff that I, I like. But, like, what – have you thought about that? Or, or has, you know, your sponsor or anyone talked to you about what you're going to be doing there? And then in your mind, like, what's your, like, oh, my God, if I could do this, you know, yeah. what would it be?
1: Yeah, there's just been – I mean, there's been a little bit of discussion. Obviously, I, I just got my orders, uh, shit, not even a week ago. I got my orders – uh, what Thursday of last week. Um, and so, and then trying to reach out, you know, you will get a sponsor that fast, <laughs> but I did, I do the, the guy I'm going to relieve, uh, is acting as my sponsor. Um, because, uh, it's just easier that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's some program stuff. You can't, your sponsor is not supposed to be the guy that's relieving you, but whatever. Right. Like in this case it works because nobody else there is going to be able to tell me about what my job is going to be other than a PAO. Right. If I was just another sailor, then it makes sense. But, um, so he's, he's working through some of that, uh, some of the different deputy directors for departments at the history and heritage command have reached out and they've kind of said, Hey, this is the cool stuff that we do. Um, you know, they, there's some, um, like some underwater archaeology stuff, right? Like looking at old battles and ships and and stuff, seeing kind of underwater what that looks like, right? Um, There's some some stuff with like, of course, you know, the Constitution like I mentioned before, right? Digging up some history about that or you know, uh, there's say, I think there's one thing, I don't want to get ahead of it in case it's not out yet, but I got an email about an individual, a very famous 1700s Uh, sailor, their saber, right. Or their sword, their cutlass that they had and uh, you know, where it was used, who it was given to them by that kind of stuff. And then it's like being presented to, you know, a foreign dignitary for their museum, because that's who it was gifted from that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, So it's kind of neat, weird stuff. That's got some backstory to it and to kind of, you know, go out there and, and, um, advertise that, that that's happening, tell that story, that kind of stuff for me, man. You know, I, I haven't really given it a thought yet for history and heritage. Uh, we've really, the way that our community works is the history and heritage command is a, uh, it's kind of a, um, a warm welcome to the DC area before you get roped up into the busyness of the Pentagon. So it's kind of just like, Hey, get your kids in school, get into a house build some relationships. You're still in the area. So all of the, you know, the heavy hitters, you know, the Admiral and everyone else that's in this area, I can go to luncheons. I can go see them on weekends or, you know, on a Wednesday, if they're having some press conference or whatever, and they want me to get some training, that kind of stuff. So I'm in the area to get that. Uh, And so that's, that's kind of my expectation is, you know, but I am looking forward to whatever they throw at me. Uh, obviously, you know O4 select there's going to be some high expectations i'm not going to be able just to go sit on my hands and enjoy the cool stories i'm going to have to be proactive um but yeah no i, I think it's going to be a fun tour uh and maybe i'll get rolled over to the pentagon early who knows
0: that's dope bro um <clears throat> th- that's just too cool like you know your whole story and everything and we're definitely gonna have you back on bro because i want to hear more about your history and heritage. And then, uh, since you can be my plug into the DC Pentagon area, you know, and doing all that, I'm definitely going to want to hear some inside scoops on that stuff. Uh, you know, we might have to, uh, you know, uh, change your voice up or something. So, so people don't know it's you again, but, uh, (laughs) you know, get you a little T pain on it or something, right? (laughs) A little auto tune. but bro, uh, you know, I appreciate you TI for coming through and being a guest, man. And, um, you know supporting me uh you know while while i've started because you know you've been there watching and listening you know from the jump and uh thank you for your friendship for the last 17 years bro and yeah i hope you and the family you know settle up there in the dc area and, and you guys get the kids in school and everyone gets happy again and you guys are able to you know have a movie night with the dog on the couch
1: yeah man thanks for having me and uh for sure you call me anytime i'll be on
0: all right brother take care For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit anchor.fm backslash zulu podcast. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of myself, Joshua Moore, and the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.